All right, let's open our Bibles to Acts in the third chapter. Acts chapter 3, <clears throat> and I mentioned last night we were going to talk about healing, so we'll begin here. Uh, I felt like this morning as I prayed, the Lord kind of led me in some other areas also that I think are very important for your church and also concerning what God began to do. How many feel that God did something last night in your life? Would you lift your hand? Wave it real high. Just be bold about it. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, how about if he does some more today? Everybody say more. more. Amen. So John chapter 3, it says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. I suppose they were going to pray. Amen. It's a good thing to do, amen, amen. to pray. Be a people of prayer. Because that's the way you can unite your heart with God and get in the flow of his plans and purposes. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb. I want you to notice it says lame from his mother's womb. This man had never walked a day in his life. As we said, nothing is impossible with God. Can I have an amen? Amen. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. So he's sitting there begging, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask an alms. Give me some money. Give me some money so I can eat. And Peter... Fastening his eyes upon him. You should remember that phrase. Fastening his eyes upon him with John said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Such as I have. I don't have any money with me, but I do have something to give you, friend. Such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Remember, he had never walked a day in his life. This is not only a healing, this is a tremendous miracle that God not only healed him, but gave him strength. To get up and walk. You know, when a baby is born, it takes a while for them to walk, right? Maybe a year. Here's a grown man with all the weight of a grown man getting up and walking at the command of Peter in the name of Jesus. I tell you what, our God is a miracle-working God. Oh, nothing is impossible with him. And he, leaping up and stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Hallelujah. And the people saw him and they glorified God. I mean, when God does something like that, it's hard to deny his reality. Amen? 
Now, this is the first miracle recorded in the book of Acts. As you know, Jesus came to this earth, born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He went to the cross of Calvary and died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again. And he was amongst his disciples for a time, teaching them, even after he had risen from the dead. And then he ascended up to heaven and poured out the Holy Spirit. And so here we see the fruit of that outpouring of the Spirit right here in this miracle at the temple. Amen. The man who was lame from his mother's womb went walking and leaping and praising God. Can somebody say, praise God? Praise God, praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. But I want us to think just a little bit today about this thought where he said, such as I have, give I thee. Such as I have, give I thee. You know, church, you have something. You have something to give people that'll change their lives. Peter was willing to give what he had. Now, let's just think about what Peter had. I can think of four things that are predominant. Number one, he had the love of God. Because if he didn't have the love of God, he wouldn't have done anything or cared anything about this poor man sitting there begging. Or he might have just given him a few coins to get him by one more day. But there was a compassion working in Peter's life. And God often works through compassion. I remember one time when I was pastoring a church in North Dakota. We were ministering there and we uh, were looking for a place to build a church. And so we went out and we talked to a farmer and he, he had some land on the edge of town that he wanted to sell. So we went out and we talked to him one evening and we're, we're just talking to him. The sun's going down. I can remember the scene right now. My son was there with me and I think another brother. And, and the farmer told me, he says, you know, I haven't been feeling well and uh, just have some health problems. And when he said that, just this compassion came over me. This love, the compassion of the Lord. And I said, Richard, can we pray for you? So I just acted on the compassion that was in my heart. You know, the Holy Spirit gives us compassion for people. And so he says, certainly you can pray for me. And he was a Catholic man who loved Jesus. And so he was open to the Lord, and he was ready to receive. And I said, let's pray. And I prayed for him in the name of Jesus. And the results were immediate. He had had a problem with his triglycerides. His blood count was showing 1,500 in triglycerides, which I think is blood fat. It's 1,500 is not good. It's supposed to be between two and 300. And he was in the military. He was in the reserves. So all his medical was all taken care of. And they had this. And I actually have a record of his blood work that shows 1,500. Well, he went back to the doctor, and all of a sudden, it's normal. It's back in that two to 300 range. And they said, this can't be. There's no way you can go from 1,500 between two and three. So they tested him two more times. Three times, it came out normal. They finally figured, we don't know what happened, but you're normal. Praise the Lord. And later, I may share this in other testimony, too. But later on, the same man was healed of a tumor in his colon. Because I saw him, I'll just go ahead and share it. Because I saw him, uh, I was at the, 
what do they call it where they have the reserves meet? The Army Reserves building anyway in the town where we were, and I was there for some reason. I saw him, and I had heard that he had this diagnosis of a, of a, a cancer in his, in his colon. I said, Richard, I heard you're having some more health problems. He said, yes. I said, could I come over to your house and pray for you? See, that compassion is still working, you know, just... You don't want to see somebody hurting like that. He said, certainly. So we made a time, and I came over and sat down in the living room with him. And we went through the scriptures like, a, like we do on the healing CD. We just studied the scriptures, all through the scriptures, about what God says about divine healing. And we got to the end there of all the scriptures. And I said, Richard, are you ready for prayer? He says, yes. And so Richard stood up in the middle of the room and I laid hands on him in the name of Jesus and commanded that, colon, that tumor in his colon to shrivel in Jesus' name. I was just led to say that. And uh, the, the atmosphere in that living room was glorious. The presence of the Lord was just there. You know, you just, you just tangibility of the Spirit there. And so I left and went home and so on. Later, he testified that he had a release. I don't know how to say it discreetly, but he went to the bathroom right after I left because there was a loosening. He went back and got another colonoscopy, and the tumor, which had been like this, had shriveled, just like the Lord had said. And so instead of that golf golf ball-sized tumor, he had like a raisin, so they removed the raisin, and uh, actually lost it, so they couldn't do, they couldn't do a biopsy on it. So they said, you'll have to come back and have another colonoscopy, which he did within several months. And they told him, they gave him a clean bill of health. They said, you've got the colon of a teenager. Go home, you're fine. Can somebody say praise the Lord? Praise Hallelujah. The Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus heals. Yes. Amen. Amen. So what did Peter have? Well, he had compassion. He had love of God. Another thing he had, he had the good news of Jesus Christ. He knew that Jesus died for our sins, that he bore our sicknesses in his own body on the tree. So he had that gospel. And then what else did he have? He had the name of Jesus. Jesus told us, he said, in my name, you'll cast out devils. You know, you're not going to set anybody free in the name of Tom Shanklin. That's right. I mean, nice name and everything, but yeah. <laughs> won't get the work done, folks. Amen. Right. Amen. But you see, there's power yes. in the name of Jesus. Yes. And God has given us the right to use the name of Jesus. When you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a right to use that name. So when he said, such as I have, he had the name of Jesus. And finally, he had the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody said he had the power. He had the power. And you have the power. He's given us power in the name of Jesus. So I want us to think about this power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to have to go back now to the first chapter of the book of Acts just to see about this power uh, that Peter had. And as I said, Jesus appeared to his disciples after he rose from the dead, and he instructed them. 
And it says in verse 3, he showed himself alive after his passion, talking about his death on the cross, by many infallible proofs. Uh, the story of the Bible is not a myth. It's the truth. He showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. Being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And verse 4 it says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. But wait. Everybody say wait. But wait for the promise of the Father. But wait for what? The promise of the Father. Now, how many think God keeps his promises? You know, sometimes we read these words, we read over them, you know. The promise. God made his church a promise. And he said, wait for the promise. Now, if you read in the Gospels, in every one in different ways, Jesus gave them a command to go into all the world. One time uh, I was in India and a friend was with me and we were, and we, kept, we just got to kind of joking about, well, which is it? Do we go or do we wait? Because one place Jesus says go and the other place he says wait. Well, you see, there's, there's something there. Yes, we're to go, but first he says wait. Because before you go, you need the equipment to go. Amen? So he said, wait, for what? The promise of the Father. Okay, what is the promise he's talking about now? He says, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. He says, it won't be long you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He said, John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, baptism... The word literally means immersion or to dip, okay? So when we talk about being baptized, you're talking about being dipped in water, amen, which represents to us as Christians our death burial, death and burial with Jesus Christ, and when we come out, the resurrection. So we are literally identifying with Jesus Christ when we're water baptized. We are dying to the old way of life. We're saying, I'm done with the old way of life. Let's bury the old man, amen, and I'm coming up in newness of life. And that's an ordinance of the church. That's the command of the Lord to baptize, go and, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are to be baptized in water. Can I have an amen? But then there's an, a, a baptism of the Holy Ghost. So that would mean the immersion of the Holy Ghost. And God has given us this baptism of the Holy Ghost to give us power. When you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit will come into your heart and live in your heart. But God wants us not only to have the Holy Spirit in our heart, but wants us to be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember when John was talking about Jesus? He, he says, I baptize you with water, but the one that cometh after me, uh, I'm not worthy to loose his shoes. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. 
That's talking about the fire of the Holy Spirit. When God uses fire that way, he's not talking about hellfire. He's talking about uh, fire of passion and, and igniting of the Holy Spirit that God wants upon his people. Amen. So then Jesus says, well, let's read on. And when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Lord has put into his own power, but you shall receive what? Power. power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and Rice Lake. Amen. 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 <laughs> you see? So we need power to be a witness. The word in the Greek there is dunamis or dunamis, however you want to pronounce it. But it's the word, the root of it is the word where we get our word dynamite, or dynamic, or dynamo. It's power. You know, if you have a great mountain and you want to take it down in order to put a road through it, you use dynamite and you blast it. It's power, power to bring change. You see, that's what Peter had at that gate beautiful. He had power because you got you to admit that's power that someone that had never walked a day in their life got up and walked. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. And God has that for you. Hallelujah. It's available for you. Hallelujah. They said, well, will you at this time restore the kingdom? They said, Jesus said, it's not time for you to know about that. That's in the Father's hands. But you. See, sometimes we want to push everything off on God. We're just going to be passive and just wait for the Lord to come back. And God's going to handle everything. But he said, you will receive power and you will be witnesses. See, because God wants every one of us to do these things. Yeah, each one of us will have a little different type of ministry. But I tell you what, each one of us need that power in our lives. Can I have an amen? Amen. Now, if you notice in the second chapter, they, he was told them to wait. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. See you, brother. <laughs> he told them to wait, so they waited and they prayed. Amen. How many know it's a good thing to do? And that's what they were to do. They were to wait on the Lord. They were to, to be in a place spiritually to receive. And so they were waiting on the Lord. And it says in, ch in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, okay, which is a Jewish feast, God wanted them to be in position, but he had ordained a particular day. He had aligned this day, aligned with the Jewish feast of Pentecost, which is also called the, the first fruits. So this is the first fruits of the new dispensation. This is the first fruits of this new covenant that God poured out his spirit. And it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. 
That's important. They were all with one accord in one place. They weren't in one Honda. Amen. But they were in one accord in one place. They were together. They were unified. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues or other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is where Peter got the power to do what he did in chapter 3. Now, they were believers. They were born again. They were saved. If some reason they died before this happened, they would go to heaven. But there was an event in their life in which they were baptized or immersed in the Holy Spirit. They were given this power to be witnesses. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came in there. He was in a hurry to get there, I guess, because when he got there, it was like a wind blew through that place. And it said, tongues of fire set upon each of them. So if you imagine the manifested glory, you know, um, it says in the Old Testament that God appeared as a pillar of fire. So there are times, you know, the scripture says he's like a consuming fire. God's like a fire. The glory of God was invisible manifestation touching each one of them. You could see it. Praise God. You know, he could do that here today. Be cool, wouldn't it? I'd be all for it. I'd like it. But he was in literal physical manifestation touching each one like this. And when he did that, then, they began to speak. Now, nobody had instructed them about speaking in other tongues, but somehow the Holy Ghost prompted them and birthed within them that desire to speak in another language. And so they began to speak in other tongues. And when you see this baptism of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, three out of the four times it specifically says they spoke in other tongues. So we see that it's definitely a manifestation that God uses in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some say it is the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I won't argue that one way or the other, but I will say you see it in the scriptures. Amen? Now, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit in this room, apparently they went out into the street because then people began to hear them speaking in other tongues. And when they did, they were speaking in languages that many of the different people came because it was feet. It was a Jewish feast, so there was people from different countries that were gathered there together. And when the disciples were speaking in other tongues, they were speaking in these different languages. What an amazing sign (coughs) that these languages were being spoken out in the street and they were amazed. They said, what does this mean? And, and, and some of them said, oh, they're just, they've just been drinking too much. They thought they were drinking. Well, I mean, you know, drinking doesn't make you speak in languages that you don't know. It might make you speak some kind of language you shouldn't be speaking. But, you know, this is a miraculous sign. So anyway, then Peter gets up and begins to preach to them. And he said... Verse 15, he says, These are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it's the third hour of the day. 
But this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. So he goes into the Old Testament to establish the validity of what he was doing. How many think we need to be, have a scriptural basis for what we're going to do? So Peter said, wow, you know, apparently God revealed to him what this was all about. And he goes back and he starts to quote from the prophet Joel. And he says, and it will come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And upon my servants and on my handmaidens, in other words, on the servants of the Lord and the female servants of the Lord. I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon unto blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So this tells me something. This baptism of the Holy Spirit, this manifestation of speaking in tongues and other gifts of the Holy Spirit, this is just not to give us goosebumps in the church. It has purpose. It's so that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's about people getting saved. So then Peter continues preaching. And what does he preach to them? He preaches Jesus Christ. Amen? He talks about his crucifixion. He talks about that death on the cross, and then he talks to them about the resurrection. And he tells the people that are there, which were Jews, he said, you are the ones that crucified Jesus. You see, he pointed out the sin that was in their life. He pointed out that they had crucified Jesus. And if you'll notice now in the second chapter, in the uh, 37th verse, after Peter had concluded his message, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now where it says they're pricked in their heart, does anybody have different translation than I'm using? Modern translation. What do you? What? Stung. Their heart was stung by his preaching. What else? Anybody else? Pierced. Okay. What? Cut. You know, all that doesn't really sound too good, does it? I mean, cut, pricked. You know, it's like, you know, hurts. Okay. But that's good. Sometimes hurt, good. Hurt is good. Are you here today? This is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's when you realize that you're wrong. Are you here today? And I want you to know it's good when you're wrong to know that you're wrong. Because until you know that you're wrong, you won't be made right. So preaching... Peter's preaching and preaching should bring a conviction of sin. Amen. There should be a recognition that, hey, something's wrong in the way I've been living. Something's wrong in the way that I'm doing. There needs to be a change in my life. 
You know, I was preaching in a church a few weeks ago, and we were praying for people and, and, and ministering to people after the message. And there was a lady that came forward for prayer. And I mean, this lady had problems. I mean, she had a list. But the first thing that she said was something about my boyfriend does this. Now, nothing wrong with having a boyfriend. But that was the first thing that she said. And when she said it, it was just like something went in my spirit. And she went on and she shared all the needs that were there. And after she was done, before I prayed for her, I just said, have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? And she said, oh, yes. Oh, yes, I have. I said, okay. Now I said, are you living with your boyfriend? And she says, well, yes. <laughs> now, folks, I, I, maybe I don't have to tell you, but something's a little contrary there. Yeah. She says, Jesus is my Lord, but I'm living with my boyfriend. Now, listen, folks, which is which? <laughs> Jesus wants you to get married before you live together. Yeah. <laughs> Amen? Amen? There is a right and there is a wrong. I, I mean, I'm not here to criticize or cut or be mean. Well, I guess I am here to cut because that's what we read, the translate. We need to be cut a little bit, you know, if we're wrong. Because it's good to be convicted if something's wrong because you know what? Then you can repent and get it right. Then you can receive forgiveness and be healed in your life. Can I have an amen? So I say that in love, you know. But Notice what happened. They, they heard, when they heard this, they were pricked, they were cut, they were whatever. And they said, what shall we do? That's a good question. They realized they were wrong. They said, well, what are we going to do about this? He says, then Peter said unto them three things. The first one is repent. Repent. That's one of the most important words in the Bible. Repent. Everybody say it. Repent. It means to turn around, to make a decision to quit sinning. Yes, amen. <laughs> amen. You know, I remember my own life now. You know, when you talk about sin, I mean, I, I was a chief sinner. I won't even tell you all the stuff I did. I mean, I don't, I'm ashamed of it. But you know what? I'm forgiven. I'm clean. Hallelujah. Because of what Jesus did. But I remember, you know, we began to come to the Lord and uh, experience his presence and, and power in our lives. But I had not yet been born again. I had not yet been converted. I had been touched by the gospel. I knew about Jesus' death on the cross. I knew that reality, but I, I wasn't living it. I wasn't following the Lord. But we got involved in a church and began to be drawn by the Lord. And my wife actually got saved before I did her sins were washed away, and she got baptized. But I was fighting. You know, I was wrestling. The devil was pulling me one way, and God was pulling me the other. I was really in a struggle. And uh, I went to work one day, the first day of the week. How I many know Mondays can be kind of tough sometimes? Especially if you're, you know, things aren't going so well in your mental attitude. And I had a rough day. I got off. I, the first thing I said, I'm going to the bar. Somehow or another, I bypassed the bar, went home. My wife and I got into an argument. I said, oh, let's take a ride and cool off. My thought was, I'm going to the bar. I'm going to get some beer. 
Somehow I didn't go to the bar. I ended up at the preacher's house. And I told him what was going on in my heart, all the turmoil that was going on. I said, we're in this church, and these people, are, it just seems like I can't really fit in. It's because they were born again, and I wasn't. But anyway, after I talked a while, he just put his hand on me and began to pray. And this peace came all over me. And I just said, that's what I need. <laughs> I need that peace. And he said, you need to be baptized. And so... We went down to the creek that night and were baptized. I was baptized in water and came out, drove home, and I'm sitting in my pickup truck. My wife is there and uh, our baby. I guess we had two at that time. And I saw these people that we were fellowshiping with had power in their life. And I, I wanted that power, and I'm talking to the Lord about it. But all of a sudden, I started thinking about my drugs and alcohol and my lifestyle. And I had this thought. I thought, well, things are going to be different now. I'll, I'll just do that once in a while, just every so often, because I don't want my friends to think I'm weird. You know, so we'll just smoke pot once in a while, drink once in a while. It's going to be different now. All of a sudden, God spoke to me. And he said, turn from the things of the world. Now, turn is the same thing as repent. And I heard God speak, folks. <laughs> you say, how do you know? I don't know. You just know. He spoke to me. And I just said, yes, Lord. And I yielded my life to him. And I tell you what, everything changed from that day. The Holy Spirit came on me in power. He just flooded me. His glory just flowed through me like a river. And like electricity just going through me. But I mean, it was a good feeling. It was joyful. It was wonderful. I mean, I was just being just washed with his glory. And I spoke in other tongues. I didn't speak in tongues a lot, but I also started to prophesy. There's another gift of the Spirit called prophecy. That's when you speak under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, words that God has given you. And so I began to prophesy, prophesy, and you can read about in 1 Corinthians 12, there's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that God wants us all to flow in those gifts of the Holy Spirit, to bring healing, to bring life. One of them is gifts of healing and, and word of knowledge and things like that. God uses, uh, uses us in the word of knowledge many times. I mentioned, or I guess earlier, about the, the three ladies that were... Uh, you know, that had miscarriages, and God, God healed them. He works with the word of knowledge and gifts of healing. God uses these gifts of the Spirit. But I'm sitting in my pickup truck, and I'm prophesying. The first thing God says is, precious is the blood of the Lamb, which was shed for you. See, you know, you can repent till you're blue in the face, but if Jesus doesn't wash your sins away, it isn't going to work. It's what he did, amen, combined with your yieldingness to it. I said repentance is one of the most important words in the Bible. But the other is faith. You know, first, or, um, Hebrews chapter 6 talks about the first principles of the doctrine of Christ. The first two, repentance from dead works and faith towards God. See, those two work together. Remember last night I was talking about 
The guy trying to scrub himself over and over again, I said, believe in the soap. <laughs> so, yes, repent and believe. Jesus put those two together. He said, repent and believe the gospel. See, you have to believe in Jesus' power to wash you clean. So he says, precious is the blood of the lamb which is shed for you. And then he said, I want you to live a holy life. On the first day of my conversion, the Lord taught me about holiness. Praise God. That's an important message. We're not going to walk in God's power if we're just messing around. Amen? You've got to consecrate yourself to the Lord. Amen? And let him have his way. God spoke to me. He said, Israel is here. He told me I was engrafted into Israel. I didn't know anything about that from the scriptures, but I learned later that we are part of the commonwealth of Israel. So that experience, I mean, I'm still living on that experience. I see Paul, he was always sharing his testimony over and over again. I do too. Because it's so powerful. But he cleansed me, and he washed me in that blood, and he baptized me in the Holy Spirit. Now, I have never been the same. People looked at me. Even my wife says so. She's a, she's a testament. <laughs> I'm not the same, praise God. She's happy about it, I tell you. <laughs> but as I said, he's still working on me, too. That's good, too. But thank God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Remission means getting rid of. When God forgives you, your sins are gone. He takes them away as far as the east is to the west. I mean, there is such a freedom in Christ Jesus to know your sins are forgiven, they're washed away. Hallelujah. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Peter said, such as I have, give I thee. Such as I have, give I thee. What did he have? He had the power of the Holy Spirit. He had the love of God. He had the gospel. He had the name of Jesus, and he had the power of the Holy Spirit. And God wants you to have that power in your life. Now, let me share one more verse. I, I'm probably going a little long, but I'm, I'm about done. Let me share one more verse, because the thought that's coming to me, how do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? See, you could be born again and still not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I don't have time to prove that scripturally, but it's in here. If you just look at chapter 8, you'll see they were saved, baptized, and had not yet received the Holy Spirit. And the apostles came, laid hands on them. They received the Holy Spirit, and they prophesied. Okay, but I want you to go to Luke chapter 11. How do you receive? Because I don't want you to leave here without knowing how to receive. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in a pickup truck. So it doesn't have to be in church. But many times it is in church, thank God. Amen? 
It can be in a pickup truck. I see some of you have pickup trucks, so you can receive it out there in your pickup truck. Hallelujah. If you just get quiet and yield to God. Amen. Let him have his way. But how do you receive? Luke chapter 11, verse 9 through 13. And I say unto you, ask, and it might be given to you. Oh, I'm glad we have a pastor here to keep me straight. <laughs> Thank God for a good pastor, amen. No, ask, and it what? Shall, shall be given yes. unto you. Amen. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth. Amen. And he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son asks bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Well, fathers, let's think about this. If your son asks for uh, uh, some bread, will you give him a rock instead? I know you guys, you wouldn't do that. Amen? You're good fathers, amen. But compared to the Lord, <laughs> you're not so good. <laughs> He's much better, Amen. If a son asks bread of a father, any of you that's a father, will you give him a stone? If he asks a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a, a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give Amen. That's the Holy Spirit yes. to them that ask him? Right. Who is he going to give the Holy Spirit to? Them that ask him. So just, you just, what you do is you just come to him with childlike faith and say, you know, Father, I heard the message today about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want that in my life. And I ask you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then you just wait on him and you just receive that presence. Amen. And then you just yield to what he gives you. Amen. Praise God. You just... Let rivers of living water flow out of you. Amen. And gifts of the Spirit will begin to operate. Amen. God will immerse you in his Spirit, and you shall be witnesses unto him in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Can I have an amen? Amen. Now, I want to just, um, as we conclude, and we'll have a time for prayer for other needs too, but first of all, I just want to talk about Salvation, or the word repentance. Today, if you're here today and you need to repent, this is a good chance to do it. Amen? This is a good chance to turn. So in a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray. I want to pray with you for repentance. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, or if you have and you need to come back to him in repentance, this is the day. So what we're going to do in just a minute, I'll ask you to come. But first, we're going to bow our heads, and I want to ask between you and me and God to answer that question. And then we'll give you an opportunity to come and pray and repent. And I tell you, it's so good yeah, to repent. Many times we think repentance, oh, it's a negative word. No, it's, it's, it's a good word. Paul talked about it. The church in Corinth, they needed to repent because... There was immorality there. And they did, and they said, oh, what clearing, you know, what, what freedom that it brought to repent. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to repent. It's good to repent. Amen. Amen. 
So let's just have a holy moment before the Lord. Bow our heads before Him. Oh, Lord, we just, we just welcome your presence and we thank you for your Holy Spirit working. Lord, it's, it's good to know when, we, when things aren't right. So we thank you for do, bringing that conviction, not so we can live under condemnation and be defeated, but so we can repent and find that freedom and that clearing in our life. Oh, God, I just, I just pray for each of us that's here, Lord, that our hearts would be open. Uh, to your conviction, and to the change that you want to bring. In Jesus' name, praise God. Praise the Lord. I'd just like to ask you, how many would say, you know what, today I need to repent. I do. I need to repent. I need to turn back to God. I need to turn away from sin. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? This is a good day to do it. Okay, I see that hand. Are there others? I see that hand. There's others. Okay. Anyone else? I need to repent. I need to repent. All right. Thank you for raising your hand. Now I'd like to give you an opportunity. I'd like to pray with you about that. Those of you that raised your hand, would you just come? And we'll pray together right here with the body of Christ. Just come. Don't be bashful. Just come. Well, praise the Lord. You know, maybe you're listening today uh, on the Internet or in your car, or maybe you're listening to this on a CD, and you're just thinking, you know what, something's just not right between me and the Lord. I need to get it right today. I would like to just lead you in a prayer of repentance and accepting Jesus as your Savior. If you haven't done that, or just turning back to him, just say these words from your heart. Say, Dear Father, I thank you for Jesus, your Son. I believe he died for me, and I believe he rose again. And today I say, Jesus is my Lord. I repent of my sin, Father. I turn back to you. Forgive me, Lord, in the areas where I have strayed. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for healing me in Jesus' name. And now, Lord, I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with that power, Lord, that I can be a witness and I can be a blessing to others. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for my salvation. Thank you. You make me a child of God. I love you, Lord, and I give you praise today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we want to encourage you to get involved in a good, strong local church and read your Bible every day and talk to the Lord. He wants to be your best friend. He wants to take you by the hand. He wants to give you strength in your life and bless you and heal you and do mighty things in your life. You know, So get that fellowship. Get in the Word. If you haven't been baptized, do that. And I tell you, you've got a grand future. God bless you. Thanks so much for listening today. Amen. We pray you have been blessed and encouraged by this message from Tom Shanklin Ministries. Tom Shanklin Ministries is reaching the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. We invite you to become part of this worldwide evangelistic outreach through your prayers and financial support. To request our free monthly newsletter, you can reach Tom Shanklin Ministries at 507-407-HELP. That's 507-407-4357. Visit Tom Shanklin Ministries online at tomshanklin.org or send cards and letters to Tom Shanklin Ministries, P.O. Box 4144, Mankato, Minnesota, 56002.